Hi, and welcome to the Legal Marketing 2.0 podcast. I am your host, Tim Barron, and this is a show where we examine the latest trends in digital marketing to help you get more leads and clients. In today's episode, it is my great pleasure to chat with Adrian Dayton about digging into data to optimize your social media efforts. And we do a deep dive on LinkedIn and how to use it. But before we jump into the episode, I'd like to ask you a question. Do you struggle with digital marketing and how to make it work for you and for your firm? If so, please go to lawfirmmarketinghelp.com and sign up for a free digital audit. The audit will provide you with all of the information you need to build a blueprint for your digital marketing strategy to produce the results you want. All right, on with the show. Adrian is a lawyer and a longtime social media advocate and trainer. Adrian speaks nationally and really around the world on social media and business development for lawyers. He's written a few books, including one on Twitter for lawyers and one on LinkedIn for lawyers, and has trained and coached thousands of lawyers and legal professionals on social media. So naturally, of course, he created an application called Clearview Social to help law firms easily share their content on social media. Welcome to the podcast, Adrian. Thank you so much for having me, Tim. It's a thrill to be on here with you. Adrian, I think we met about um, seven or eight years ago, and I think our initial meeting was on Twitter, which of course means we practice what we preach. Yeah, that's right. I think, I think we met on Twitter two years before we met in person. Absolutely. And I think we've taken sort of winding paths along the social media marketing journey, and here we are. So you've built uh, Clearview Social, uh, which is a platform, and maybe you could talk a little bit about that. But today, we hear about big data, small data, 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 and how we can use data to improve how we interact and whatever it is that we do in the marketing circles. As someone who's built this piece of software around social media, how does data come into play in how we use social media and the platforms? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So if we talk about data, I always kind of like to start with this comment. You've probably heard this before, but there's a difference between data and actionable intelligence, right? And so I feel like everyone has a lot of data at their finger, fingertips, but when it comes to what are the few key takeaways or what are the few key insights here that can help us make better decisions, and I'll, I'll just give you a few insights. So when we first started using our software, after about, you know, after a few months, we looked at what times of day people were sharing content. And, and the truth is, people shared content at different times than people read content, right? And so we've all heard about different tools that say, you know, like Buffer that will tell you, here's the best time to share. Um, but we realized that the times are different for different types of social networks and you could teach somebody that so they could schedule things out. But the truth is that's data that people don't want to have to worry about, right? They, they just want it to be taken care of. And so we're able to build into our software an algorithm to predict the next best time for them to share when they shared something. You know, so that's one way to think about data in terms of the way we figure out the best way to access the public with, with the information we're trying to share. But then the other way to use the data is to use the data to answer the question, what do people really care about? And what am I doing that's working? 
And what am I doing that's not working? This is a place where lawyers and business people, especially entrepreneurs, have like are on a totally different wavelength, right? So the business lawyer, they look at every case, right? Like they're trying, they're trying to save someone from death row, right? They're trying to save them from being, you know, the company from going bankrupt or the person from going to prison forever, right? And, and so the stakes are so high, they have very little tolerance for mistakes and for failure, okay? But entrepreneurs, they're totally different, right? Like the Entrepreneur Act, this idea of like the lean startup or of agile software development, it is, no, no, we want to fail. We want to fail as fast as possible so we can figure out what we did wrong so we can do it better in the next iteration. And so how does this exhibit itself in social media? Well, most lawyers are so scared of sharing something that they're not sure whether or not their, their, their audience will, would enjoy that they just don't share, okay? Whereas the people that are best at social media, they shared like crazy at first. I don't know if you remember, Tim, when I was first on Twitter, I mean, I was sharing like 10, 20 times a day, I was able to see patterns very quickly. Okay, this is this kind of stuff people like. If ever they even sniff even a hint of self-promotion, then not only does it not do as well, nobody clicks on it, right? And so using the data to learn how to better communicate with people in a way that's going to resonate with them. And that's a long answer to your question, and it was kind of weird, but does that, does that help? That really helped. I love what you said about what do people care about? I think too often as marketers or lawyers, we think that we know what people want to hear or what we need to give them. But no, if you dig into the data, sometimes it's completely different from what you think. And your audience, or, and certainly your target audience, will tell you, based on the data, what's interesting or what's meaningful to them. Yeah, yeah, and if you're open to the data, right, sometimes the data takes you places that you never would have expected. So I'd, I'd like to take a bit of a sharp turn here and talk about LinkedIn a little bit, because you have trained thousands of lawyers, and you and I have talked a lot about uh, Twitter and about um, other social media platforms, but I've seen a trend lately in LinkedIn that it's become a more of a social platform. It's never been that way before. People would create their profiles and just sort of leave it there as their online resume. Um, have you noticed that, like LinkedIn, LinkedIn becoming more social? Yeah, and, and, and just to kind of unpack that a little bit, LinkedIn is becoming more social and obviously, it's, it's not by accident, right? I mean, for years, it's been pretty obvious. People go to Facebook for close personal interactions. They go to Twitter for content and more, let's just say, stimulating interactions. And, and then LinkedIn is like, it's the boring place, right? No one hangs out there because the content isn't, for lack of a better word, it's not fun, right? You're not going to take a break and go to LinkedIn. And again, I'm making a generalization but the data kind of bears that out. And so what's happened is LinkedIn, they want to change that, right? They want more people hanging out there. And so the pendulum kind of swung, but, but kind of too far in the other direction. And so you see this for a while, Tim, that people were sharing like, you know, there's some girl in a beautiful dress and she's like, I know LinkedIn's not the place to share this, but I just got married and I'm so happy. My husband's so perfect. And you know, and it has like 10,000 likes because she's like a beautiful, like a stunning woman, you know? And, and it's just like, or the story about some army veteran that 
went through a lot of hard times and then finally, after working hard, found their dream job. And it's like, it's like these personal interest stories that get a million likes, but they don't help any of us do our jobs better. Right. And so I feel like the right place is someplace in between for LinkedIn, that the information there is going to be compelling and interesting, but it's also can have a human element to it. I couldn't agree more. You know, if I'm on Facebook, I, I want some personal interactions. If I'm on Instagram, I'll see pictures and, you know, a ton of likes. But I got to tell you, Adrian, I agree. If I see someone who is sharing those kinds of updates on a regular basis, that's a quick unfollow, right? So mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. not using the platform in a meaningful way and certainly not useful for others. So we get a lot of, if we could stick with LinkedIn for a little bit, we get a lot of lawyers now just because it's become more popular and people are starting to go there more than just to look for jobs or to identify recruiters. They are thinking, well, you know what? We need to create a profile and we need to optimize our profile. And I know that LinkedIn, over the past year or so, but it's been a slow churn over the last year, how they have developed and improved the interface in terms of how lawyers and legal professionals and anyone really can present themselves. Any tips on how a lawyer, let's say a law firm marketer is going to a partner and say, yep, you need to get your profile up and you need to have that profile optimized. Any tips for them on how to do that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's such a great question. It's such an important one. And, and I kind of want to start by what my starting point with a lawyer. And I, I, it's funny asking this question, which some of them have been practicing for 20 years. And I say to them, you know, when people ask you what you do, give me your elevator pitch. And like, honestly, sometimes they start visibly sweating, or they have kind of like this smile of like, I know I should know this, but, and then they'll give me some just, you know, kind of really, really lame attempt where they say, oh, I'm a litigator or I'm a commercial lawyer. And so then I kind of have to go a little bit deeper and I have to ask the second question, which is, but, but who do you help? Tell you, give me a couple examples. What are the, what are the types of people, the types of businesses you help on a regular basis? You know, and then they're going to, and then they're going to say something. You know, and so it's funny. I just had this conversation with a, a partner at, um, and he does trust and estates at a big firm in Texas. Okay. And so I'm interviewing him and I'm asking him more and more questions, right. To get out of him, what it is he really does. And he says, you know what, when it comes down to it, I help kids fight over daddy's money. Right. <laughs> and it's just kind of like, exactly. Like, like that's what you do. That's great. And so, so his headline actually now says, I help people fight over daddy's money. And then in quotes, it says, you know, trust and estates litigator. And, 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 and then, so your headline is really your chance, like right under your picture on LinkedIn, that's your chance to provide your elevator pitch, right? So that you can give people exactly what they need, not just to hire you, but also to refer business to you, right? Because think about your hundreds of friends that know you on LinkedIn. They know you're a lawyer, but how useful is that in them referring business to you, right? I talked to another lawyer just the other day as well in Texas, and, you know, he had a very generic headline. But as I got interviewing him, I realized that 
he's handled billions of dollars of personal injury litigation by chemical companies against chemical companies. And I realized that he's probably done more of this, of that specialty than anyone else, you know, in the country, or maybe there's only two or three people that come close. So then after I've asked these questions, it really boils down to one thing. And that is, how do you create a narrative with your summary, right? With your bio? How do you create a narrative that tells a compelling story about how you help people and why you're the best person to help them solve those problems? So this is a sort of a business coach approach um, to identifying what to put on LinkedIn. This is a great exercise because then it helps you to identify just beyond LinkedIn. Um, I'm sure in your journeys, Adrian, as you've gone through this exercise with lawyers, sort of a light comes on, right? And says, not only what I do on LinkedIn, but it identifies what you do or even your purpose. You know, I try not to make this too much of a uh, life coaching moment with the people, but, but, but let's be honest. I mean, whatever you put on LinkedIn, it should express what you most want to accomplish, right? Or what you're most trying to achieve with your business. And if you don't know that as an individual, then LinkedIn's not going to be a lot of help for you, right? Agree, agree. So what about, we hear a lot of questions about, um, I think it used to be called LinkedIn Pulse, but now it's just simply LinkedIn Publisher, because Mm -hmm. some folks may not want to go and fire up a WordPress site and register domain and get a blog. Um, But now there are options like Medium, and of course, you can write long-form articles right there in LinkedIn. Um, Any advice for lawyers um, and legal professionals wanting to do that? So I'm a big fan of the LinkedIn publishing feature. For those that have never used this before, it's kind of like hiding in plain sight. So when you look on the LinkedIn homepage, right in that box where you can share a link to an article, there's a little box now that says, you know, write an article. And you click on that, and like you said, Tim, this allows you to have a blog platform. Even if you don't have your own blog, you can basically just blog right on LinkedIn. And honestly, I think it is a great place for any lawyer to start who's thinking about blogging. Write a couple of LinkedIn publishing articles first. If you like it, if you like the feedback you get, and you do get some great feedback because when you share on LinkedIn, you can see how many people have clicked on it, People can comment on it. People can reshare it. And you kind of get a sense of here's what it's like to create content. And here's what it's like to learn from the reactions to the content I've created. And if you do this and then later decide, okay, I've done this. Now I want to start a blog. Well, you can take those articles. You can copy them and paste them into your blog. I mean, it's your, it's your content. You've authored it. You can continue to use it in other places afterwards. So, so that's my one thought on publisher. My second thought is... Most people that are already writing on a blog, they don't realize you can take that post that you already wrote on your blog, paste it into Publisher and repost it with a link at the bottom directing people back to your blog, right? So if you want to build an audience for your blog, Publisher can help you do that as well. That's great advice. So it's all about repurposing content. People say, I don't have the time to write, but if you write a post, a long form article in LinkedIn, or you write it in a blog post, or you write it elsewhere in Medium or whatever, you can go ahead and repurpose it. Great advice. You know, I tell you, Adrian, I did not plan on this being all about LinkedIn, but you know what? We're going to continue a little bit because this is really good. It's very, very useful advice about posting to LinkedIn, you know, posting links. We touched a little bit on that. 
on what not to post, basically. Should I get this question every now and then. How frequent should you post on LinkedIn? What kinds of stuff should you post? And uh, maybe you could talk a little bit to curating versus your own original content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, great questions. And I'll take kind of the, the first one first, which is how often should you post? And Nobody cares, I don't think. Well, maybe you do because you're my friend, Tim. Nobody cares what my opinion is about how often you post, but I think everyone should care what the data shows us, okay? And at Clearview Social, we've analyzed about 1.5 million shares that have gone through our system. And then we've also used data from Buffer, and they've looked at tens of millions of posts to LinkedIn. And what they've learned from that is that there is an ideal number of times to post per month. And just curious, Tim, what would you guess that would be? Sorry, what would you guess? Um, How many times per month? I would say about 15. So that's a great guess. That's actually very close. So mathematically, the the time where upon up to the 20th share, so 20 is the magic number, 20 times per month, up to the 20th time, there'll be no diminishing returns to each additional share. So if you're wondering, how do I share without annoying anybody? Once each business day is what it about comes out to. And... One other data point with that, the research from Buffer shows that 60% of your network will see at least one thing you share each month if you share 20 times a month. And people just don't realize content is passing so quickly. You need to post frequently or people will miss it. That's fascinating. That's really interesting. Wow. Um, So, you know, in me answering your question, 15 is, but I was thinking 18, just, you know, I don't want to like disappear. But I, I always think, even though I was thinking that, I always think less. That's a good point that even if you post a little bit more, you're not annoying anyone because not everyone is, seeing, is on the platform at the same time. So they're not seeing all of your updates. So no, good point. So 20 is the ideal number of times and your feeling of like, ooh, that's too much, right? That sense that you have, that is like the lawyer in you. I mean, every lawyer feels like, ooh, I don't want to be too self-promotional. And so, so this is going to get us to your second question, which is, should you write your own content or is it okay to have curated content that other people have created? And I just got to say, you got to put this into a hierarchy because, you know, I'm not going to say that, you know, one is good and the other is bad because they're both great, but no question. The best thing is for original content that you've created. That's going to sit up there. That's the gold standard is content you've created, assuming it's great content, right? Assuming it's content that helps people. And the second best thing is for you to find content that's specifically useful to your clients, to your ideal client that you find, found and posted. And then maybe the third after that would be generally interesting business or other content, right? So that's kind of the hierarchy. Original content is best. Content specifically useful to your clients is the second best. And third best is generally interesting business content. And then the fourth thing, which you should never do is post, you know, jokes or riddles or math equations. Would you agree with me on that, Tim? I could not agree more. (laughs) And I kind of like the idea from my perspective is just on all of these social media channels, including LinkedIn, like you said, you talked about it not being self-promotional. It's about building relationships. And if you curate other people that you find really, other people's content that you find really interesting, all of these social media channels give you an opportunity to mention or to at them or to make sure that they are aware that you find what they're writing valuable, so valuable that you're sharing it to your own network. And that really enhances relationships with these folks. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's another point is that 
sharing other people's content is also valuable networking, regardless of how much your network appreciates that content. Agreed, agreed. And, and one thing I don't people, think people understand is the risk. The risk of sharing something that your, your network is not interested in is almost zero. There, there's no real downside to sharing something once in a while that people aren't interested in because they're just going to ignore it, right? But the chance of finding something that really hits, right? I mean, you and I, Tim, we've both had things we've posted before that have kind of gone mini viral, and you never know what it's going to be, right? And this goes back to that taking risks. You need to share often to figure out what's going to hit and what's not. That totally makes sense. So as we wrap up, one of the concerns that we hear often from law firm marketers, certainly the ones at bigger firms, and I know you have a lot of experience in um, and relationships in that space, how does a law firm marketer go to, I mean, we've talked a little bit about this, but how does a law firm marketer go specifically to a partner and, and try to convince them to get on board with LinkedIn and social media in general for the firm? Yeah, it's a great question. And the answer I think I have, I don't know, might, might not be all that useful, but just to understand the challenge that you're up against. And that is that lawyers are very teachable when they want to be. And so I found that lawyers in transition, laterals, new partners, you know, senior associates that are trying to make partner, and then you know, more senior partners that have lost, suddenly lost a major client, right? In all those areas, they are hungry and they're willing to listen. When it comes to somebody that's comfortable, they have all the work they need, right? They just come in and build anyway. It doesn't matter what you say to that person, they're probably not going to really care. But when they're ready to learn, what I find has been most effective is to jump on LinkedIn with them and do a search for some of the people they do business with. Jumped on LinkedIn and do a search. So in other words, do it together. That's, yeah. that's a really good way to wrap this up, Adrian. Thanks so much for being on the show. Oh, it's been my pleasure, Tim. Anytime. Before you go, if you like this episode, please subscribe to our podcast. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, and wherever you listen to your podcast. You'll find the show notes for this episode, along with all of the Legal Marketing 2.0 episodes at goodtobesocial.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time.